Listen to the Vibes. Welcome, everyone, to another episode of Listen to the Vibes. I'm very happy to welcome Miss Morella Acebo here. And she is a life coach, an author, actor, producer, and a storyteller. And we're going to get to know her and have a great conversation. So, Morella, tell us a little bit more about yourself. Well, first things first. Hi, Kyle. <laughs> it's great to be here. Great to Thank join you. this conversation today. So a little bit about myself. I'll give you just a, an overview. I'm born and raised in LA. I live in LA now. Um, born to a single mom, never met my dad. Um, went to Arizona, studied school there. I always wanted to be a private investigator. So I studied justice studies and then ended up working in television as an actor. So that is a huge just <laughs> switch in directions there. So I ended up uh, as an actor and I've been in the industry for about 20 years and then about four years ago, I decided to become certified as a life coach. I've always been interested in people and conversations and and the human experience and getting to know each other's stories and backgrounds, experiences. And uh, I felt like that has always been such a natural part of who I am is taking interest in other people. So I became certified. And now uh, that's mainly what I do is I, I help women primarily, but I help my clients just process life week to week, process their emotions. Where are they at? Where are they headed? What's life about for you? So I really just enjoy one-on-one meaningful conversations with people. Would you mind if I ask you about your testimony? Yes, absolutely. So I grew up in a Christian home, uh, went to church every Sunday. As I said, it was just my mom and I, and I, she was a really, she's passed on. So I'm going to speak about her in past tense, but um, growing up, I just saw her as being such a strong witness of what it looked like um, to walk by faith. And so growing up, I went through the motions, didn't really feel like it was something maybe I wanted to continue. So as a, as a teenager, once I could make really my, my own choices is I decided to walk away from the church for about 10 years and then just live my life for, for 10 years, live the college life. I wanted to see what life was like outside of faith, outside of the Christian lifestyle. <laughs> and so, um, I did that and, you know, I had a lot of fun. I have to say, you know, just tried a bunch of things and just lived like the world. And um, when I came back to faith, well, let me back up a little bit. My mom was diagnosed with cancer. And so that's really what started to draw me back to my faith. So I ended up uh, moving back to California, LA, to take care of her, just the two of us. And so I decided to... Um, leave behind just everything I was doing, my life back in Arizona, moved in with her. And through my care for her, again, she just was such a strong witness to me that even as her health is failing, I could see this inner strength and this inner peace. And she was really just, again, walking by faith. And so that really impressed me because she had every reason in the world to hate her life, be mad at God, um, just feel all those feelings. And yet she didn't. She was just had this radical acceptance of her health and she had this confidence of where she was going. So that really did catch my attention. And there was there came a point where she could no longer drive and she would ask me to take her to church. And of course, I would take her to church. Um, and that's where God started to draw me back. I, I think at that point I was really in need. I didn't even realize 
I had the need, but I was so overwhelmed with my own, with life, with caring for her, with the emotions that come with taking care of a sick parent. And I just found myself out of answers, not knowing what, am I doing enough? Am I, am I, what's the next thing? How long is she going to live? And there was just so much that was cluttering my mind and such a burden. It just felt like this weight on me, um, making all these medical decisions for her. So that's what slowly was starting to draw me back. There was a piece that was undeniable that I experienced going back to church now in a place of need, as opposed to growing up and doing it because this is what my mom does and this is what we do. So it became very experiential for me. I felt a peace. I felt like I'm back home. I don't understand all of it. And in fact, I came back with a lot of questions, a lot of doubt, a lot of things I didn't understand, but I was open to receive more of what I experienced going to church. Yeah. With acting, is mm-hmm. do they look at you like you're crazy or something because you're a Christian? <laughs> Most of the time it doesn't come up. It's really? not something that, yeah, that is ever uh, asked. Now, from my point of view, yes, as an actor, there are things that I knew going into it, um, that I'd be willing to do and not willing to do. And so the conversations really came down to the conversation I had really with my agent. She wanted to know, well, why aren't you willing to go out for that audition if there's you know nudity required or is a certain language required? And so when I would read the script, I'd say, yeah, this is not something I'm comfortable with doing. So that, it, that becomes really um, a tricky thing because when you're working with an agent, you're basically agreeing that you're going to go audition to everything that they, that comes their way. And that's my way because that's how we get paid (laughs) by me auditioning. It's a numbers game. So the more I go out and audition and book things, the more both of us get paid. And so a lot of agents, you know, you have to, it's, it's a tricky conversation. The expectation is you don't get a say as an actor, you don't get a say, this is where you're going to go. This is the time. And this is the role you're going to play. So uh, it was a risk. It was a risk to to tell my agent that's not how I um, how I'm willing to do this. So if it means you're going to release me, then you're going to have to release me. But I was never released because of my faith. It was a conversation that I had to have, and conversations that required some clarity over why why don't I think that that you know raunchy scene is isn't funny. And like, well, it's not funny to me and and I can't do it. So yeah, that part got tricky, (laughs) but I I also, I stuck with commercials mainly and commercials, generally speaking are pretty clean PG 13 perhaps. Um, Yeah. So I ended up doing more commercial work than any other kind of work. Now, if I read correctly, you at first didn't really want to be married or have kids. What what changed all that? That's right. Oh, I know. If I, Kyle, if you knew me back then in my twenties, I never saw myself as being married or having kids. That was not part of my plan. I was very driven to have a career. Again, I wanted to go into law enforcement. I wanted to travel. Uh, uh, as I said before, I was raised by a single mom, so there was no man in the picture for me. So of course that, you know, at a young age, I thought, well, 
I can live a great life on my own and I don't want to depend on anybody. I don't certainly don't want to take care of anybody. <laughs> that just seems like a whole lot of work. And I think over time and through as I matured and once I came back, um, you know, things changed when I, again, going back to my mom's health, coming back and taking care of her changed the way I thought about things and changed how I thought about family and the importance of having family. And though I came back with the intention of not dating for a while and really just focusing on, on my mom, um, that's when I met my husband <laughs> within three months through a mutual friend and it just was undeniable. This this man is a good man. I think I'm interested in now huh, rethinking some of those earlier decisions I had made about not getting married or having kids. And so I would say now after we've been married 25 years, my kids are now both adults. And uh, it was the best decision. Wow. Yeah, one of my proudest decisions. <laughs> yeah, I tell you, the my first marriage didn't work out so great. And it took me about 10 years of living, well, I say on my own. I had a revolving door, I think, of women. And then when I got serious and I met my wife that I have now, and then someone that shared the same values, that's when things changed. I, I can't even look at another woman. I love that. And I love what you said about you know, when you got serious. I think that was very well said. And I can relate to that as well. When I got serious about things and was forced, and usually the hardship is what does that. It forces you to really get crystal clear crystal clear on what's really important in, in life. And so that hardship with my mom, really, yeah, it, it, I, it forced me to take life really seriously. Not that I wasn't before, but it's a different level that you start really assessing for your life. What is, what is my life really about? Where am I headed? What, what's happening? I'm faced with this immortality. My mom is dying. Like what's going to happen. Yeah. And so I'm just meeting the right person when you're ripe for it, then, right. It leaves you open. <laughs> it leaves you open to the things that you might've dismissed, you know, in your younger years. I think the best part of our relationship has been the fact that she's encouraged me to get back on a spiritual path. Love that. Mm. I that's huge. I can, it, it, exactly because I don't know how anyone has any hope for the future if you don't have God in your life. Agreed, one hundred percent. Yeah. And you use God's values when you do your life coaching, correct? Absolutely. Yes. Yes. I I am. Um, a leader in a women's ministry right now. And so I've been doing that for over 10 years, leading women in spiritual growth, um, development, spiritual development. And so we use really scripture uh, because that's really where our, our, our true help comes from. And the transformation happens from really within, from God's spirit in us, changing us from the inside out. Uh, it's not circumstantial. It's really, again, going back to my testimony, it's, it's a, it's a peace that he promises us, his very presence that is in us that helps us see life from a different perspective. And there's newness in that. There's freshness in that. Because when I look out at the world right now, I, I just feel overwhelmed and defeated and and sad and angry and there's just a little bit of everything and most of the that everything is horrific and it's that's a lot of bad news out there but the good news of the gospel is that we don't have to do this life alone and in fact we weren't meant to 
we're the ones that walked away from our creator. And so I really believe that that the purpose of our journey here for the amount of years that we that we exist in this way, it's really for us to return back to our maker and and live a different life, the life we were created to live. Well, if you go back to Adam and Eve, when God saw Adam was alone, mm-hmm. he took one of his ribs, created woman to be a, a helpmate. That's and right. Not a slave, a Correct. helpmate. And I, th- I think a lot of people get it wrong when they say, oh, marriage is 50-50. No, it's 100-100. Oh, yeah. You both got to put into it. And I'm so glad that I have the wife that I have because we, we do put a hundred percent into this. Mm -hmm. When I'm down, she lifts me and vice versa. Mm -hmm. Um, And I mean, our kids are all grown up. We got grandkids now. Mm. (laughs) I can't imagine raising kids in schools nowadays. What do you tell women that have children that are in the school system that we have today? Mm -hmm. Well, I would start with the conversation about where um, their faith is at. Are they on a spiritual journey um, uh, of their own and what example they're setting? So um, not everybody has the means to homeschool. I mean, I I would definitely have a conversation. Is that something that you're open to? I mean, I, I um, personally would advocate that I would support somebody who, who was open to doing that because some people just aren't. <laughs> um, so having that conversation and, um, and really it comes down to being an example, I think mm-hmm. in the home um, for sure. School is, is I think one of the biggest influences on our children, the academics, the, the peers, the friendships, uh, what is all the things that, that go on that is that makes up the child's life from most of the day for at least 18 years or so. So that's a huge influence. And yeah, so my, my conversation with that person is, are you willing to do something about that? Mm-hmm. Or is it something that you see you know, it, it is a problem? You know, it really like, as a life coach, I don't particularly give my opinion. Uh, now, if you ask, if somebody asks me my opinion, I'm more than happy to share from my perspective. But it's really about what is it that the person um, is is looking for clarity on? Mm-hmm. What is where is it that they're heading? What is it that they 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 want for their life, for their family, uh, for their children in the long term? And so, when I start hearing things like uh, you know, I'm, I'm paying really close attention to like, I'm really fearful of, you know, the school system or the academics or what's what's happening in the world. Okay, let's start having conversations about that. What would that look like if a change could be made and what changes could be made? So I would absolutely just support somebody who would want to homeschool or if they could afford, you know, if they had the means for a private school education um, to do that as well. Yeah, for somebody who's faith-based, yeah. Main thing is, is- Pay attention to your kids. Yeah. Yes. You you are an author. So let's talk about your book. Great. Well, my book is for moms specifically, although I have had 
uh, dads tell me this book is for dads as well. Uh, <laughs> my book is SOS for the MOM. And yes, it spells mom, but I like the alliteration. So SOS for the MOM, a Christian mom's guide to managing emotions. And so emotions, this topic of emotions is something that really has been on my radar for the last five years or so. And I started really just paying attention to conversations I was having with friends and interactions with friends and strangers. And I realized how quickly our conversation goes towards how we're feeling. Oh, I'm just so overwhelmed. I'm stressed out. Or, you know, I had a fight with my husband and I'm mad at my kids. And so, you know, that, 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 emotion kept coming up for me. And I just became obsessed about that topic. And the fact that, you know, we are here having a human experience. And part of that human experience is, is an emotional experience as well, that we're constantly feeling something about something. (laughs) If I'm in traffic, I'm feeling right impatient or, or I'm not, or uh, I'm having a conversation, I'm feeling something. So I started really just paying, honing in on that. And because I am a mom and I struggled early on, and I could say even still do with my emotions really being taking over sometimes and that anger that comes over that, uh, that, um, maybe anxiety, the worry for sure, the worry that, that rises, um, constantly about the future of my kids and how are my kids doing? How am I doing? How's my husband doing? And, so I started to just, I wanted to write a book. I just felt compelled to write a book about the 10 common emotions that we feel as moms in motherhood. And so the book is 10 chapters, 10 emotions, and then 10 Bible moms that can help us. So as I, you know, I started just reading the Bible and I um, wanted to write a book that was faith-based. So I started thinking, all right, well, what does the Bible have to say about all these emotions, right? Like, what help is there in the Bible? And I started revisiting the stories of the early matriarchs of the faith. So the moms in the book of Genesis, mostly in Genesis. And so that first book in the Bible, and as I started revisiting those stories, I started really unpacking and looking at their stories from the perspective of a mom. What might she have felt? What did Eve feel? Did she feel guilt after giving into temptation? What does it feel like as a mom to have mom guilt to, uh, over something that you know, we were tempted to do we, or failed to do? And so then I started looking at more and more moms. I started looking and we don't know a lot about the women. I mean, there's really not a lot about them other than the story that is attached to either her or her husband. And as an actor, because this is what I do, I really try to get into the shoes of the person that I'm playing. So bringing that person to life, like what, so what must they have felt? What was the experience? What was it like? What did they have for breakfast that day? What were they wearing? What were all of that? So just total immersion into the stories um, that I was reading. And the book just unfolded. It became so clear to me that there are 10 moms in the Bible who likely felt these comparable emotions that we feel even today, the suffering that we experience today, loneliness. I talk about that. I talk about single, being a single mom and each of them relates to a Bible story. And then also um, ways to, to help us manage those overwhelming feelings. 
I'm comedian David Race in Los Angeles. I host a celebrity-filled paranormal talk show like no other. Monstrosity has great guests answering weird questions. You won't believe the combo of celebrities and paranormal experts who've been on this show. I guarantee you'll like Monstrosity, or you get your time back. Go to monstrositypodcast.com right now and take a look. Well, I was a single dad. Mm-hmm. Took yeah. care of my boys. Uh, and I, I have to say, moms out there, <laughs> you're a superhero taking care of kids. Yeah. It, it was rough. Could you relate to the things I was sharing about the emotional experience? Oh, oh yeah. <laughs> right? What would you say was your primary? What was your like some of your primary? Oh, you know, it's it's I guess frustration for one. Yeah. Yep, that's a big one. And it was it was hard for me not to to be angry all the mm-hmm. time because uh, I I had to put myself back in those shoes of a you know 14 15 year old kid mm-hmm. how did i feel when i was that age and what was the temptations that i had faced you know? and so i i i couldn't be their friend mm-hmm. per se but i think that we had a relationship to where they felt comfortable enough to come talk to me so mm-hmm. they they told me well, I found out other things later on in life they didn't tell me, but they told me a lot. And so it was it's really difficult. Parenting. You know, parenting uh, yeah. when you're doing it by yourself, because when you're playing the part of of both the the mom and the dad, mm-hmm. you know probably going to be labeled a misogynist for this but men are more apt for you know reason as women are more apt towards feelings and when you're having to do both mm. you you now you know why you need a, a a mom and a dad in the home yes yes yeah <laughs> oh man yeah for sure and our emotions are yeah they they take over there's they're, they're big, they're big, and and a lot of times, um, they really get a they get a handle on us. I I mean, I say that they control us in some way. They become sort of the dominant force, mm-hmm. and that's why we have to pay attention to them and find ways to just recognize them, and then find ways to be able to manage them. I mean, the the emotions are are important. They're real. They're they're a gift. They're signaling something, right? Mm-hmm. In your case of frustration, they're they're signaling. Okay, things are happening that need my attention. But you and and I and everybody also needs ways to have to recognize the emotion, validate it for what it is, mm-hmm. welcome it in, and really have compassion for oneself. That yeah, this is a frustrating situation. So for my my frustration is valid. It is valid. And, and, and also one of the big conversations I have with the women that I work with is in, when you're in a state of this overwhelming emotion, whatever it is, if it's angst, worry, um, anxiety, 
we're making decisions all the time. We're making choices all the time. And so when we're in an emotional state, we're not going to make the best choices from a place of frustration. We're going to say and do things we later regret, things that hurt our relationship. And then there's damage control on the other side. So really a lot of my work or focus is paying attention to the thoughts that we're having or the things that are happening and the emotion that's at the core of it. What is the underlying emotion? And to, again, validate it, this is part of my experience right now, take a time out, pause if need be, but not make choices or or react from a place of that impatience or rage, frustration, because those usually are the decisions that we regret later. Mm -hmm. So to be able to manage really ourselves, to regulate ourselves in any given moment, that really takes a lot of intentionality and work. It's easy to be impatient. It's easy to fly off the handles. Like so much of our interactions, <laughs> I think with other people, not just our kids, um, call that out of us. Uh, but can we respond in a more disciplined way? And can we learn ways to regulate ourselves so we can make better choices? Because our choices or decisions, they're leading us somewhere. And I think I speak for everybody. We want, we want the happy life. We want you know, good things. We want peace in our lives, but a lot of times we're not acting in alignment with the things that we want, you know, that are good. Well, I see why it's so important for the you know, two people to have the same values yes. and to be on the same page because, yes. you know, emotions, they, they can definitely run them, <laughs> them up, but yeah. also that the guy who says, you know, hey, it's going to be this way, uh, you know, I'm putting my foot down. You, you have to reel each other in, you know, yes. that, that emotional side makes for better decisions, better decisions reel in the, the emotional side. So I agree. Yeah. I think you're absolutely right. It's just that that balance of both mm. that polarity that two people bring naturally, but then also just being unified mm -hmm. and growing together, right? In the best possible way. Are you planning on writing any more books? I think I have another book in me, but I'm not, sh not quite sure mm -hmm. yet what that's going to look like. I think right now I'm still focusing on, on my, my first book and, and sharing that with, um, with others. And yeah, I don't know. I, I I'm not sure. <laughs> in your life coaching, uh, because I've had a lot of life coaches on the show, uh, I usually ask this question, what, what sets you apart from other life coaches? I think my personality, number one, I would say that just in general. I mean, there's a lot of people in any single profession, doctors and lawyers and therapists and, and such. So what sets any two people apart is that there's only one you, there's only one me. This is how I come. I think I lead with a lot of heart. I lead with a lot of empathy and uh, compassion. And really my strong suit is, is my listening skills and just my heart to serve other people. Um, and beyond that, I would say really my, my emphasis, really my focus being on your emotional state, the person's emotional state and really just being nurturing to that person that whatever it is that you're feeling, it's okay. It's okay. 
We don't have to live guilty or like in judgment of yourself all the time. No, no, no. Let's unpack it. Let's, this is a safe place. We can have a conversation and let's set some goals. You know, let's set some, our mind on, on, on an intention and, and let's get you where to, where you want to be. So I think that's really, it's just my approach. And it's the way I, I, I take care of my people. <laughs> what is your website? My website is uh, lifecoachmom.net. Lifecoachmom.net. Mm-hmm. And then, of course, the the evil social media. <laughs> <laughs> I'm really only on the one plat- platform on Instagram and Life Coaching by Morella, M-I-R-E-L-L-A. That's my Instagram. Yeah. Morella, thank you so much for coming on. This was really a great conversation. I had a, I had a great time. Yeah, likewise. Thanks, Kyle. (laughs) And I also want to thank all you folks out there. If you are new to the channel, I hope you'll come back. Please hit that subscribe button for my regulars. You guys are awesome because you make it possible for me to do this. Until the next one, everyone, please take care. Be kind to one another. God bless and peace. We hope you enjoyed this episode of Listen to the Vibes. You can catch us on Buzzsprout or wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts and on YouTube. Follow us on Facebook at The Vibes Broadcast Network.